You are listening to the Call to Action Podcast, where we aim to inspire, educate, and inform entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 40 of the Call to Action Podcast. I am your host, Shantae, and today we are having a fireside chat with the author of Sundowners, and the anthology titled In the Red Room, and his name is Jeffrey Yorio. Before I bring our guest onto the show today, I have an inspirational quote that I'd like to share. And here is the inspirational quote for episode 40 of the Call to Action podcast. The ones who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. And that is by Steve Jobs. If you missed episode 39 of the Call to Action podcast, as always, it is a must listen. My guest for that episode was C.L. Schneider. C.L. Schneider is an award-winning author of immersive fantasy fiction and has written nine books, including the urban fantasy mystery series Nightfire and a complete dark epic fantasy trilogy titled The Crown of Stones. Listen in as we talk about everything from her first book to how she fully immerses the reader into her stories with her unique writing style. Make sure to go and check it out at ctamarketing.biz. And when you're there, click on podcast on the main menu to access that episode as well as past episodes. But in the meantime, here's a clip for you to listen to from episode 39. His addiction and his quest to find peace. Wow. So you really feel it reading that in the first person. Yes, absolutely. I have had people reach out to me and tell me, they, they've asked me, to, do you, are you, are you know, recovering from some sort of addiction yourself? How do you know? Because they thought that I had portrayed his addiction so realistically that it wasn't glorified. It wasn't, you know, the, it just, it just was. And they really identified with it. Wow. So did you do research on characters like to get that kind of story or to develop it that way? Or was it just something that just you just thought about it and was like, okay, I can make this work? Well, when I first created the character, the story developed from him. He was... Again, you can hear the full episode on ctamarketing.biz. As mentioned in the intro, my guest for today's show is Jeffrey Yorio. He was born in Corning, New York, and now braves the winters of the Rochester, New York area. And Jeffrey is married with three children and a Pomeranian that was there one night when he got home. He spent a few years teaching history and later earned an MS that helps him with his current managerial job. So everyone, please join me in welcoming Jeffrey to the show. Jeffrey, welcome to the Call to Action podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Shantea. Thank you very much. I appreciate you inviting me to share time with you and the fans and followers of your podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Now, Jeffrey, now with my show, I do an icebreaker with every guest that I have on here. So my guest for you today is to share the song 
that you would sing if you were doing karaoke? Um, American Pie by Don McLean. Really? Yeah, it's one of the few songs that I know all the words to and the music to, and not that I could play it, but I can't get lost singing that song. Cool, cool. You know what? I have a favorite too. I know most of the words of this song, but the one that I would choose is actually probably, I don't know, maybe everyone's favorite, but it's Don't Stop Believing by Journey. It's like yes, one of my that's favorites. That's a very I good think. song. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one I could do for karaoke. So, Jeffrey, thank you for sharing your song that you would do if you were doing karaoke, which is uh, American Pie by Don McLean. I don't know if I've heard that, so I'm going to have to go on YouTube and check that out. But now what I want to know about is your writing. So what I'd like for you to share with us is what inspired you to write? When did you know that you wanted to write your book? The time when I actually knew I wanted to write a book was roughly eight years ago. I'm down in the chair reading a book. My wife's in the kitchen. And she goes, you read a lot of that stuff. Why don't you write a book? And that's really where the inspiration came from to write a book. It wasn't my first book that was published. It's still one I'm working on. But that's where it came from. And all the research I did, you know, finding an online writer's group, um, you know, what the different types of, you know, first person, second person, third person, doing, doing all that was daunting and then when i joined the legend fires writing group uh that they helped um and made it a lot simpler for me to go in and writing and then yeah i'd say maybe a year and a half into it after doing some other writing shorter stories i dabbled with poetry that's when i started my sundowners book okay now your sundowners book i'm interested in you telling us more about that because when we had our initial conversation you shared some really cool stuff I never had thought of when it came to this so can you give us some background on your Sundowners book and yeah. tell us what it's about I know what it's about but tell us what it's about the the idea for Sundowners came from the uh, Legend Fire um, writing group has a little chat box and one night I'm on the I'm on the website and the chat box is there and a question come up about where did the myth of vampires come from and my initial thought was, yeah, that's a good question. And I had responded back that perhaps back in the day when science wasn't so good, or at least so knowledgeable, rabies may have been an explanation for vampirism. People who get rabies don't like the sun. They get a pallor to their skin. Uh, they become mentally touched. They're unpredictable. Uh, they don't like crowds. They don't like water. And they are stronger. And so, you know, animals which are associated with rabies are wolves and bats. Not that others don't, but those are the ones commonly associated with it. And so, you know, they go, hey, maybe that was the, the cause. That answer spurred me to, to looking at it going, okay, if vampires do exist or did, how could they have existed for so long and remained hidden? And so I said, okay, if they're alive, they're, there's a biological reason for it. And so I started looking up, you know, what are the, the traits we associate with vampirism? And obviously the pallor skin, the strength, um, shape changing into a bat or a wolf, only, you know, in the sun. And I'm like, okay, that's something in, in the modern world you just couldn't hide. I mean, it, it's there. 
So I said, there has to be another reason if they were to exist, how that could happen. My dad at the time uh, was a retired podiatrist. And so I asked him, I go, what are some things, you know, about the body, you know, that, that makes you, know, what makes someone strong? What makes someone weaker than someone else? Not just the working out part. And he had said, he goes, there's two types of muscle tissue. Once there's type one and type two. Most people have type two. That's your endurance muscle. Some people have the type one muscle. That's called the strength muscle. It's fast twitch for type one, slow twitch for type two. Uh, imagine the slow twitch as far as a, a modern animal would be the cheetah that can run for short periods of time, 45, 50 miles an hour to catch prey and eat. So I'm like, okay, that sounds good. I go, now, I knew a little bit about anemia, people who are anemic. They have excessive white blood cells, lower red blood cell count. So they uh, they, they get fatigued easily and it's, it's not a good thing, but medicine can help you survive. I said, well, what if these white blood cells were mature, they were good white blood cells who actually helped the body defend itself against disease and stuff like that. And so I said, well, maybe there's a genetic trait that if they have, you have the mature white blood cells, you also have this fast twitch muscle. And so they go hand in hand to help you, you know, survive. And so I created, I worked on that and created that. Um, and then since they're surviving. That is so interesting, Jeffrey. I'm, I'm just dripping off the fact that you took like one piece and you built this whole story around it. I, I think it's great. Go ahead. I just think it's really cool. <laughs> no, no problem. And so I'm like, if they've already existed, they have a history. You know, people who were people who were vampires. And so I decided to take that and kind of run with it. There's their prehistory, which some of which is revealed in the book. And regular my vampires, they can be out in the sun. They just better be wearing a good sunscreen. But they can be out there. Garlic, many of them are allergic to, but it's not a killer to them. Mm -hmm. um, the holy symbol, the, the cross, um, that comes from something which is inherent to all vampires that they're allergic to, which is called luna caustic, silver nitrate, in a matter of speaking. Um, back in the day, you know, the 11th, 12th, 13th century, when holy water was made, it was luna caustic was made into it because they would use a silver cross to bless the water in, in the thing. And so that would, the way the silver was made back then, some of that would get into the holy water. And so they're allergic to it. Not I so never knew water. that. Oh my yeah. gosh, I never knew that. <laughs> it's no longer made that way, but back then it was. Um, yeah. And so with, as with any group, they don't always think the same. And so there are two groups of vampires. I have your traditionalists and the modernists. Um, the traditionalists believe that they are the next step in human evolution. Just like, you know, Cro-Magnon was over Neanderthal, they are mm -hmm. the next step of evolution. The modernists believe at some point our secret will come out. It will be known, and no matter what we have, we are severely outnumbered. And humans tend to be xenophobic. Vampires tend to be paranoid. And so <laughs> that would not be a good thing. Right. <laughs> uh, and so... And so there's this back and forth between the modernists and the traditionalists. The world is kind of broken up. You have two major groups. One is the American Vampire Council, which is pretty much your traditionalists. And then you have the Council of Princes, which is Europe and pretty much the rest of the world. And there you're more modernists. And so that's, that's the basic setting when my book starts. Thank <laughs> you. 
Wow. See, I learned a lot again just in this conversation. I didn't know about the silver and yeah. how they made the holy water. And that's what made vampires, you were, they were allergic to the cross. I had no yeah. idea. You just see it in movies that are like, hold the cross. and was like, you know, and then they're, you know, running. But I had no idea. That's so interesting. This is so fun. Like, I learned something. Yeah. I love so, having guests on the show. Uh-huh. Go ahead. So to protect themselves, the vampires created the myth that everyone, that we know about vampires. That they can shape change into a into a wolf or into a bat. That they can, you know, that every everything that we have, a stake through the heart, is the only way to kill a vampire. Well, if you're a living creature and you get a stake through your heart, chances are you're dead. I don't care if right. you're a vampire or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they created the myth to, in a way, protect themselves and isolate themselves um, from the rest of humanity. Um, as vampires grew and existed, they do live longer. They don't live forever. Four or five hundred years is a relatively old vampire in my world, mm-hmm. which also goes back to, especially in Europe, you may have, well, my father was Sebastian Cole. I'm his son, Sebastian Cole II. It's the same person, but in the 1300s, when people didn't really go more than 50, 75 miles from where they were born, it was easy to pack up and move or travel and no one would know. How many pictures from you know the Renaissance and stuff? Well, geez, man, you look just like the spitting image of your father. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. When it's actually him, just different pictures. So again, it's, it's just a way to protect themselves. And obviously, they would amass wealth and and, and financials, you know, financial power in the process. So yes, that's all part of their own little system to survive. You don't find poor vampires. That I, I would say not. Right. So they're going to have all the knowledge from before to, you know, to be four or 500 years old. They're going to know a lot. Their memory isn't perfect. Uh, it's not really better. A few vampires have a, an edictic memory. Um, one of the main characters, Zephyr Nabano, he has that. When he, now when explain he what sets, that is. You said it's edictic memory. Yeah, edictic memory. He has the ability that when he can, he wants to remember something that he did. The scene becomes a movie in his head, and okay. he actually watches himself at that point in time. He hears himself, so it's it's kind of like you know perfect memory, but it's it's slotted. It's not everything Zephyr ever did in his life. It's just certain things, and some come easier to them to recall, and some don't. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So the myth of the vampire, or what we know as vampires, is what they created. But in every myth, there's some truth. When vampires get old, sometimes the craving for blood overcomes them. Now, yes, with technology, they've gotten a lot of ways around it. But sometimes the craving just becomes too much, and they go feral. And in history, Vladimir Dracula Draculeste, a real person. A little bit later, he was known by the name of Vlad Tepes, the Vlad the Impaler. He did exist. He was a vampire. He developed sundowners. And so he had to be put down to help protect the secret. And he was put down by his niece. At the time, she was called Henriette Tangray. In the book, she's Agate. So some vampires will develop sundowners. Agate in the book is starting to develop sundown. Okay, and now I'm I'm not really versed in vampires. So what are sundowners? Yeah. 
what are sundowners? Sundowners is is when a vampire goes feral. The urging for blood overcomes their senses and they revert to back in the day when vampires really were like Count Dracula. They were stronger. They were bigger. They were uncontrollable. More action than thought. Mm, okay. And so that's so when the sundowners develops its um, sundowners, the vampires in itself call it things of death. But that's what that's what sundowners vampires only human. That's Agate is developing that. She knows it, and so she's working on finishing off her bucket list. Oh, before okay. Before um, In the meantime, her grandson Zephyr is informed by his mother. I'd like you to go look. I think your grandmother's developing sundowners. She trained you. She'd like it. She'd like you to be the one because if the traditionalists get a hold of her, they'll take her back for torture because what they want to do with their experimentation. And so the book sort of becomes a little bit of a race of who gets to Agate first. Wow. Very interesting, Jeffrey. Very interesting. So the book is published, right? And it's available... Okay, it's available on Amazon. Okay, so now I have another question for you as well. So um, thank you for the intro because it's really, really good. Um, And now as far as like your book and marketing your book, I know we're doing the podcast now, but what other ways are you getting the word out about your book? I mean, this alone is here. You talk about it's like really interesting, but what else do you do to to get the word Um, about your book? I've had I've had the uh, the good fortune to be on a couple of uh, question author question and answers which were posted on on sites and a couple other podcasts as well in that way so you know for from my perspective as an author with just one book and a few short stories published out there that's pretty good and I'm on Twitter I'm on Instagram and I, I just take the opportunity uh, I. Found out last week, uh, maybe a little bit more than last week, that my local library is going to be carrying a copy of my book. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something that every author should look at because it's not that difficult. Just contact your library, see if they do anything with local authors, um, and if they carry the book. You know, my library um, had a patron account, which they used to buy a copy, but I did have some author copies of my own which i couldn't get uh brought over if they if they had requested it wow that's really good congrats on that because that is awesome i mean a lot of other people get to read your book and maybe you can do book signings or something with the local community that'd be great it's one thing which the the lady from the library had had mentioned to me that right now during the covid they don't do that anymore when when the all clear is given and uh i will say in our area of new york state um it's looking pretty good as far as how COVID is going right now on downward side. So, yeah. So that would be a hope, but I'll, 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 I'll worry about that, you know, two, three months down the road. That is awesome. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Jeffrey. This Your story is so interesting to me. <laughs> I just learned so much about this and um, yeah, thank you for sharing. It's actually really cool. I've never really had like a big interest in vampires, but hearing you talk about it, it was like, that's interesting. Like just, I guess the science part of it, like things I hadn't thought of. But yeah, yeah see, it's pretty I don't, cool. See, I don't view my vampires as a separate race. They're just humans who are mutated. It's oh, a mutation okay. of anemia, which is okay. what gave them, which is what gives them their, with the increased white, mature white blood cells, they're more resistant. They live longer with the, the, the fast twitch muscle. They're stronger. So they're just a mutation of human beings. That's why I have is vampires are only human. I was just, yeah, I was just going to say that. That's why the title is Vampires Are Only Human. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. 
Jeffrey, you shared some good information, like really cool science type stuff about the vampires and helping us to see that they're really only human, right? <laughs> According to your book and your research. So for other writers, what advice would you have for them? I know that like, you know, you, you have done your own research and you talked to your dad and got information about, you know, what you use to create the story for your book. But for other writers, like, do you have any, any advice you could give to them if they're writing on a topic or just in their, in their journey of writing their book, you have something that you could share with them? Yeah. Some, some things I learned, um, if it would help someone else, I'm all for it. I always go from the fact that everything a person learns in life is important. People you help learn are more important. So an idea is not a story. It's the beginning of a story. Like in my case, uh, the idea, could vampires exist today? And if so, how? That's the idea. And that idea became the story. So great ideas will be a nice precursor to a story. Then comes in the research and everything else. Also, there is when you read, always read. You know, read what you like, of course, but read other genres. That will always help you. You'll see how other writers write. Uh, and then from all the, the books and stories, poems, whatever, you'll develop your own style that you're comfortable writing. And that's where you have to be. You have to have your own style. How long it will take you to develop where you're comfortable, I can't say. But you have to be in a comfortable way. You have to write a certain way that you like. My stories tend to have a lot more dialogue, description, maybe sometimes too much. And I know I'm very weak when it comes to spelling, punctuation, and grammar. So I definitely have an editor. Uh, I was going to ask you that question. Okay. <laughs> spell, spell, check, spell check is great, but it, it, there's, there is no substitute for having a good, for having a good editor. Um, okay. Write what you like. You can turn anything into anything. If you like to ride a motorcycle, then maybe make your character, instead of a motorcycle, if it's a science fiction story, maybe it's like a grab bike and he's just you know, flying around the Grand Canyon. There's your idea. Now, why is he doing this to build your story? So write what you like and, and modify it. Every type of story you could write has already been done. You just have to give it your twist. Like, hey, there's plenty of vampire stories out there. How do I make mine different and still make it good? And I think I, I think I did. So that's what you have to do when you're writing and then reading. And you have to balance the two. Um, I try to do my writing at night when it's a little bit quieter, maybe a little TV music, TV on or, or radio off my telephone. But I try to do it at the same time. Some nights, hey, I'm good. I'll, I, I may get one, two thousand words. Other nights, I'll struggle to get a couple hundred, and that's okay. So set a pattern, set a schedule for when you will write. If life comes in and, and you got to change it, then change it. Don't worry about that. You'll get back to it. Don't pressure yourself excessively. Um, Isaac Asimov once said, no good book is ever written, but every book is rewritten. So, and, and that's, that's what you want to do. You want to develop friendships within a writing community. If it's a local writing community that you can go and they meet and you read and you talk about stories or books that you were all writing, 
and you share tidbits. Maybe something, even as a beginning writer, you know or do may help someone else who's been writing for 10, 15 years because sometimes people get into a rut. We all do. Um, and you'll have the advantage of, of their learned experience. I'll be honest. What I've done for marketing my book is nice, but I really am not very good at marketing. And I'll freely admit that. So help with that. So yeah, and, and but you it. know what? Marketing now is different. I I think that people think it's the traditional thing. I think things have changed a lot thanks to social media. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think you're doing a good job. I mean, you're you ha- you're on social media. You're doing interviews like this. You've done others. Yeah. So yeah. that's definitely a good way. And that to me, that's marketing. I mean, that's my personal opinion, but I think yeah. that's marketing because yeah. people are looking at social media for all types of information. Mm-hmm. So yeah, might as well be there yeah, so they can they, find you too. <laughs> one of the things I didn't do that I wish I had was a pre-launch party. My book was all ready to go and they said, okay, let's just put it out there. That was a bad decision. And what I should have done is say, listen, let's make the book available in three weeks, and then I can set up some sort of Facebook event or maybe do something on Twitter uh, or TikTok even where there's a little thing where I can have the information, have a link available. No, I show my author copy or my my proof copies actually um, so people can see it and do that beforehand. Build an interest before the book's available instead of after the book's available. Right. Now, that 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 is good. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good advice to do that. I've seen a lot of that with authors who are launching books and where they do things like, will announce they're going to reveal the cover of their book. You know, just there's, they celebrate milestones. Again, using social media, which again, to me, yeah. is a form of marketing. So, yeah. but yes, doing that pre-launch is, it is important. It's really good to do that. And I, I've seen that. And I think just from what I've heard, people that have done that have had success because they're getting the attention, the buy-in of potential readers. And just for an audience to be able to follow along with them on their journey to see, even from the beginning, when they're like, hey, I'm writing a book. And they go from, I'm writing to, I finished so many thousands of words, you know, for my novel or for my book. And then they make those announcements, announcing each milestone that, again, yes, it's a form of marketing. And I think that helps too. Plus, like you were mentioning, um, connecting with a community like you did and connecting with the writing community, like people who get you, you know, now not only are you sharing your milestones with the community, but you're getting support because from what I've seen, the people that are on, for example, we're a part of the writing community on Twitter. They're super supportive, like for everything that you do and everyone supports each other. So it definitely is a plus to be a part of that and then also to just make sure um, that you're communicating and, and celebrating my, milestones because everyone is celebrating with you. But that's definitely good advice. Oh, yes, ab- absolutely. You want to keep out there. Um, on, on, on Twitter, where I'm most active on social media, if someone asks for, hey, listen, I'm looking for books about, please, you know, please you know, post your links here of your book. I'll take, up, I'll take an opportunity to do that. I don't want to always be, hey, here's a post, here's my book link again. I don't want to do that unless there's an asking for it. I, I want to interact with people on Twitter. If they make a post or if I see someone who I've been interacting with is not having a good day, you know, send them a PM, in, interact, build build a friendship that way. Work with people. This way I talk with people instead of at people. And to me, that's important. Oh, Jeffrey, you hit the nail on the head with that. That is, oh, man. 
that's important. I That's how I feel about social media as well is to engage with people. I think sometimes people just post, 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 like look at mm-hmm. me, but they're not, like you say, reaching out. Someone's having a bad day. They say, oh, you know, whatever happened to check on them. Hey, how's it going? Haven't heard from you in a while. People have checked on me. If I'm not on for a while, I'll get a message. They're like, hey, Shantae, are you okay? <laughs> Haven't heard from you, <laughs> you know, but sometimes I just get busy, but no, that, and I do appreciate that. Like that is, it, it just, it means a lot because these are people that you, for me, I haven't met them in person. These are connections that I've made yeah. online, but to be able to just have that where people care enough just to reach out, I think that's good. And I, I've done it too. I'll reach out to people yeah. and just see how they're doing if, it happened, if I have not heard from them in a while too. So that's very good. Very good to do that too. Very supportive. Yeah. All right. So Jeffrey, tell us about where we can find your book and okay. how we can contact you. The, bu- the book's available on Amazon, uh, available through Smashwords, uh, Kobo, I think, as well. So they can go there. They can you know, put my uh, put the name of the book in, you know, S- Sundowners, Vampires, Only Human, or my name in, Jeffrey, middle initial, Jeffrey Yorio, and they should be able to find it that way. It's ebook or uh, paperback uh, versions. The paperback, I believe, is only available on Amazon. All right. So you have ebook and print and it's available on Amazon and we can find you on Twitter at Sundowners Book, I think is what we have here for you. Or yes. Vampires Only Human. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And what I'm also going to do is I'm going to put your information on the website on ctamarketing.biz so people can listen to the podcast again and they can also purchase your book from the site as well. So I'll make sure that all of that is available so you can be found. Okay. Appreciate that. Thank you very much, Shantae. Hey, no worries. I appreciate you for being on the show. This has been great, Jeffrey. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's becoming easier for me the more I've done the format. I mean, yeah, I, I went to college originally to be a teacher. And so standing up in front of a bunch of, of children and talking is one thing. Being on the other end of a microphone with a peer, it's different. Um, so <laughs> um, I always, always worry that the kids have to listen to me when I, when I did do some teaching. But the peers, they don't. Or if I say something they don't like, they can respond back. Um, <laughs> not that I've ever done that. But <laughs> no, I'd never do anything like that. No. Right, Jeffrey. <laughs> no, 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 no. Never in my life. I'm, 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 I'm too much of a goody two-shoes. All righty. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it has definitely been a pleasure. And I do want to thank you again. I enjoyed our conversation. And I just, I love having guests on the show because everyone, everyone that I have always shares something unique that is unique to them. And Mm -hmm. I think it's good because I do this because I feel like everyone can learn from everyone else. So what better platform than to have a podcast where you can listen whenever, wherever, and you can just share information. So I think this is a wonderful platform and I just want to thank you for being a part of it with me. Oh, no. Hey, I, pre- I appreciate the, the invite, uh, the, the, the setting format, the way, the way you do it is, is very comfortable and relaxing. I greatly appreciate that. And uh, I hope the entire episode is uh, your, your fans and followers appreciate it as well. I'm sure they will. And that supportive writing community that's on Twitter You'll, you'll see they're so supportive. So we'll yes. definitely share it with that group. Definitely share it with that group. All right. So Jeffrey, thanks again. And for everyone else, before we wrap up, I'd like to give a special mention to York Campbell, who was a creator 
of the Poetic Earthlings podcast. Um, we have a surprise. Maybe it's not a surprise. I think he's been announcing it. I actually did a show um, where I was a talent. So that comes out in season three. I'm not sure when it's going to be released. I think it's this summer, but I'm not really sure. But I'm a bit nervous and excited at the same time. So looking forward to that. I will definitely share when he posts that podcast. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And then also, again, if you're into science fiction, make sure to go and check out his podcast. And you can hear it at his website on PoeticEarthlings.com. And if you're into poetry, check out Word Chef Baker. And he's on Twitter at WordChef underscore Baker. And his podcast is available on Anchor. And also, one more thing is to go and check out CTAMarketing.biz for the other podcasts. I also have merch and my audiobook is available, QR code for beginners. And... We're about done. So this concludes episode 40 of the Call to Action podcast. And to all of the entrepreneurs, these self-starters, authors, small business owners, remember the code. The journey begins when you take the first step. Courage, optimism, determination, and enthusiasm are the tools that will help you along the way. Until next time. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Call to Action podcast. Make sure to visit me at ctamarketing.biz. There you can find articles for entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. Until next time.